Great stuff. So we're, um, we're going to be in Ephesians 6 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn there. And I've had this phrase in my head, which um, is, having done all things, to stand. Just, just that was the phrase. And so I was like, I can't quite remember where that is. It's in Ephesians 6. And so I want to kind of unpack that, um, that charge that Paul gives the Ephesians church. So I want to read from um, verses 10 to 13 in Ephesians 6. And we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit this week and next. Um, so while I pray, and then we're going to read this together. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you that it is the foundation we build on. Thank you that it is the anchor that holds us firm. And it is the, it's the sword that we fight with. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and open up your word to us? Uh, come feed us really well this morning, we pray. Um, we are hungry, we're opening, we're listening. Um, so Holy Spirit, come be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, let me read this to you from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. That's the phrase. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. Now, I don't think that's necessarily just in the future. You know, Paul talks earlier on in Ephesians about actually the days are evil in terms of the reality of, listen, that's not the way to be negative or pessimistic. You know, we're supposed to be the most joy-filled, hope-filled people, but we're in a spiritual battle. There is evil. But when that comes, what Paul's saying is actually that you could stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. And that's what I want to unpack. So this is, this is coming at the end of the letter to the Ephesians. So he's kind of like, he's wrapping it up. He's kind of giving his final little charge. And he's essentially saying, listen, be strong, stand firm, hang in there, be strong, be strong. It's this kind of final encouragement as he's finishing off this letter. Um, and he talks about this awareness of, listen, you know, the battle, we're, we are in a battle. Like it is a spiritual walk being a Christian, okay? And there, and there is a spiritual battle going on. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against your neighbors or a political party you don't like or anything. Like that's not the enemy. That's not the battle. But there is a battle going on. There is a spiritual realm that the reality is, listen, we're in a battle. Now, we're never ever to be fearful of that, okay? I am absolutely committed that Christians should be have a zero tolerance approach to fear. Fear is just not for you and I. Not been given a spirit of fear, we've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So fear is not for us. So we're not to be fearful, we're in a spiritual battle, but we are to be aware, we're not to be naive. The reality is we are in a spiritual battle. And so never be fearful, like, but equally not burying our head in the sands and pretending it's not going on. But remember, you know, in Romans 8, it says, in all things, in all these things, I'm convinced we're more than conquerors. Some translations say that actually overwhelming victory is ours. So yes, there's a battle, but every battle belongs to the Lord, and overwhelming victory is ours. So that's, that's the context. But the reality is, listen, there are spiritual powers. There is a spiritual enemy. So when Jesus says you know, John 10.10, 10, we love the first half, I've come that you'd have life in all its fullness. But the reality is there is also a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy Now listen, not going to be overwhelmed by that, not going to be impressed by the schemes of the enemy, but I am going to be aware of them, that there is this tension, abundant life that Jesus has for us, but actually there's someone who would very much like to take that from us. Um, So that's the context that Paul is talking about, having done everything and then to stand, is in the reality of we're in a spiritual battle, okay? So, and then, then really he's, again, this is part of this beautiful dance between us and the Lord that we've talked about a lot. I feel like we hit a lot in terms of 
this partnership between, you know, allowing God to do his part, but me taking responsibility for doing my part. You know, we're not just passive puppets and God will just do it all, but equally we're not striving to make it happen because we're totally dependent on him. There's this, this tension and this kind of partnership between us and God. We do our part, absolutely trusting he will do his. Um, and even in the context of the full armour of God, which we're not going to look at in detail this morning, but, you know, and even in that context, he talks about later on in Ephesians 6, he talks about the individual pieces of armour. And here... None of those things have we earned or found for ourselves. You know, the helmet of salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God. Nothing I did to earn or deserve it, but it's been given to me. Actually, that revelation of truth, who God is, what Jesus has done, who I now am, that needs to be a belt that I put on tightly around my middle. Like, I can't afford to be, that to be sort of a bit ambiguous, I'm not sure, maybe God isn't quite who he says, or maybe I'm not quite who he says I am. Like, you have to hold firm to that truth. Um, but those things, those pieces of the armor, if you like, so Paul talks about this full armor of God. Listen, we don't earn that. We don't make that happen. It's been provided for us, but we get to put it on. Twice, um, Paul says in this passage, put on the full armor of God, not just bits of it. Today is a helmet day. Today I will put the belt on, but I'll leave that for the rest of it. Like, no, every day, all the armor is for all of God's people. So God's provided it. You and I have to put it on. Okay, And honestly, I think that is one of the ways that having done all things, one of the all things is, have you put your armor on? All of it, every day. There was some of it a little bit neglected. Um, so yes, Jesus has won those things for us. Righteousness, salvation, truth. He's won it all for us, but we get to put that stuff on. We need to do something about it. And in terms of the sword specifically, um, he says, actually, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Like we have to grab hold of that and learn how to use it. And I want to encourage you that actually in our new city groups, we're going, to be, we're going to be doing six weeks looking at the Bible. What is it? Why should I be interested in it? How do I unpack it? How do I engage with the Bible? Because listen, folks, we have got to be anchored in the word of God. Like nothing else is going to give us foundation and security. We have to be firmly anchored in the word of God. We need to know how to handle this sword. We need to know how to deal with it. So I want to encourage you. Um, listen, if you're someone who's like, I find the Bible really difficult, I find reading the Bible, unpacking it, I find it hard, or even if you don't, like, get into one of those city groups so we can actually help each other um, really engage with the Word of God. They're going to be amazing, but genuinely they are filling up fast, so you, um, you want to jump and get a spot soon. But we have to be anchored in the Word of God. We have to take up that sword. We have to put on that armor. But it's this lovely dance between, have I done everything, and am I just relying on the Lord? And there are times when I just stand. Having done all things... To stand. It's this, it's this dynamic all the time. And I want to I actually look at those two things separately. This morning, I want to look at um, having done all, having done everything. So the question is, have I taken personal responsibility for what is mine to do? Now, listen, before I unpack this, I want to be really, really clear. What I don't, this is not what Paul is saying, and this is not what I'm saying. So I want to make sure this isn't what you're hearing. I'm not saying that there are certain periods of time where I have to do all things and it's all my effort and it's all me, 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 me. And then there's times I'm like, okay, now God, you can do something. Listen, in doing all things, I am always entirely dependent on the Lord. And in doing all things, I do it from a place of resting. No, I'm absolutely accepted by God and completely acceptable to him. So we need to make sure that what we're not hearing is there's a time when you work, 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 work. And then there's a time when it's grace. It's always grace. Even in when there's things for us to do, having done all things, it's always in the context of grace. And it's always from a position in resting in who God says he is and who he's called you to be. Clear? Okay. In which case, 
Have I done all things? Have I taken responsibility for my stuff? And then there will be a time when I just stand. And that's what I want to look at next week. Actually, the times when I just need to stand. I just need to be still. I just need to let God. And there's so many beautiful promises through the Bible um, where God just saying, hey, this battle is mine. You just stand. You just watch. Watch what I'm going to do. Those times when actually we just stand in faith that God's going to redeem the situation. God's going to bring the breakthrough. There's nothing else for you or I to do but just stand. And so I want to look at that next week. But the thing is, if we get it the wrong way around, and if I do, I'm kind of just constantly doing and trying to, you know, doing all things, doing all things, and I haven't learned to stand... And I can end up striving and being so demoralized by how ineffective life's going because I'm trying to do it all in and of my own strength. That's one danger. But equally, in the other context, if we just say, God, I'm just, I'm just standing on the truth of who you are and you've promised to redeem me and you've promised to work for my good and I'm going to totally ignore any of the things that are going on in my, behind me. I'm just standing in you. When actually, Holy Spirit is saying, there's some all things that you need to be doing. Again, we're going to stay stuck. So part of our journey and part of growing in maturity is that it's discernment. God, have I done all things? Or maybe now do I just need to stand? Do I need to be going, you know, do I need to be really contending for something? Or do I just rest in your promise and wait? Because if we do the wrong thing in the wrong season, like, we're not going to be as effective as we were and we're going to stay a little bit stuck. And so we've got to learn what that is. So having done everything, that's what Paul says. So in the evil day, you'll be able to stand firm and having done everything to stand. I mean, doing everything, that sounds like there's a lot of stuff to be done. Um, now, listen, I'm a, I'm a doer. I like my lists. I like things to do, so this doesn't phase me, but I'm acutely aware that could sound a little bit daunting. Um, and so when I was sort of thinking about this, I've sort of grouped it into four things that I think it's always worth us considering. Having done all things, let's just check against these four. So I've kind of grouped them. The first thing is this. In, in a decision maybe that needs to be made, in a situation where you need breakthrough, in some options or you know, some choices that you've got to make, or you know, just in your day by day, week by week, walking with the Lord, firstly, have I asked God? Really obvious, but there's, have, I, have I asked God? What is God saying? And the first place always to start with that is the Bible. It is the primary way that God is going to speak to you and I as his people. What has God said and what is he saying to you and I through his word? It is the sword of the spirit. We need to know how to handle it. So if we need direction, actually what God's saying, if we're trying to figure out what does this look like, you know, in terms of a relationship or in a, something with my boss or something with my finances, what's God said? Like what does his Bible set out as this is God's standard? What, you know, have I asked God, what do you want me to do? So have I asked God? Prayer has got to be a part of that. We must be rooted in the Bible. We've got to be rooted in prayer. You know, sometimes actually praying and fasting, which I know is miserable, but it's entirely biblical and it's really important that we get hold of that. Sometimes we need to pray and fast to seek God's hand, to, you know, to be able to kind of connect, to find some, some direction or some clarity. Like praying and fasting is really important. You know, prayer isn't just a a list that I'm sort of constantly firing at God. It actually is a conversation. So it's a way that we not only ask God for help, but actually ask him for wisdom. We're like, what should I do? James says, doesn't he? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask. So be a praying people. The third thing in terms of have I asked God is the prophetic. You know, we highly value the prophetic. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks, um, but it isn't that 
he shut up since the end of the Bible. He's still speaking all the time. And so often it is through the written word. But God speaks. He keeps speaking. And we have a really high value for that. It's why we're doing the training in a couple of weeks. Actually, God's speaking and all of us can hear his voice. All of us can learn to listen for ourselves, but also encouraging and championing and and opening up the Bible to other people, to kind of bringing the kingdom. The prophetic is such a powerful way of doing that. But it's basically, it's about saying, it's another way that God speaks. So actually, have you asked God, you know, what has God said? What is he saying right now? And sometimes it's really important to, to revisit. It's like, do you know what? I know he's actually spoken to me about that. You know, there's times you're like, actually, God has given me a promise. He's given me a word. I need to pick that up again. I need to hold on to it. Paul um, charges Timothy with this in the first letter to Timothy, chapter 1. It says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. So essentially he's saying, listen, Timothy, you've had some stuff prophesied over you, the context once made about you, so some stuff that has been prophesied over you, some stuff that God has said, spoken over your life, you need to recall them. It's a really important way that we fight the battle well. Actually... What has God said? Well, he said this. I need to grab hold of that with both hands. Really important way that having done all things is handling the word, being a people of prayer, and holding on to God's, the prophetic, really valuing that massively highly. Because you know, it says in the, in the New Testament, doesn't it, that actually prophecy is to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort. And so sometimes it's like, do you know what? I need another word. Like, I, I need some. What's God saying? You know, actually, get in, go to the prophetic teams. Actually, let folks hear from the Lord for you to kind of strengthen you and encourage you. So that's the first thing. Having done all things, first one, have I asked God in any of those ways? Second thing, am I where I should be? Is a good question to ask ourselves. Am I where I should be? Am I doing what I should do? Now, sometimes I think that is in, the, in terms of, of lifestyle, actually. Am I... Is my life, in every aspect, lined up with what God says is the standard for a believer? This is what living as a son and daughter looks like. So over the summer, I spoke about alignment, and it's really important that actually we are living lives that are aligned with, firstly, God's standard. This is what God says. And if you read the Bible, there's a standard, which is for our good, for every area of life and relationship. There really is. So am I doing what I should be doing? But it's not, I don't think it's just about lifestyle, but actually, you know, Am I where I should be? You know, am, I, am I connected to the people I should be connected with? Actually, am I serving where I should be serving? Am I, I doing what I should be doing job-wise? Am I living in the right place? Actually, am I, in terms of the purpose and the will and the direction that God has for your life, am I where I should be? Am I doing what I should be doing? You know, sometimes I think God is very specific. Sometimes God says, Sarah, I want you to go here, do, like sometimes it's, do you know what I mean? It's like actually, it is like God's way for us is very much one foot in front of the other, I want you to do this. It's very specific um, and God's God and that's great. But you know what, there's other times when I honestly think God gives us choices. I think we have options, you know. It's like actually, well, do you want that job or do you want the other job? God, what's the will for my life? And sometimes God's like, hey, you choose. So we need to get good at leaning in and listening. Is this a, Sarah, do this? Or is it a, hey, you've got choices, let's talk about that. Which is, that's a beautiful thing. But Jonah is a really good example, if you read in Jonah, of someone who, in terms of that question, am I where I should be? Am I doing what I should be doing? The answer was a resounding no. Yeah, so you know the story. God comes to him and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to talk to these people. I want you to say this. And, and Jonah goes, excellent. I'm going to go completely the other direction and not do that at all. It doesn't go well for him. Um, 
ends up in a boat in a storm and then over the edge of the boat and in a whale's stomach. Um, but he was in the wrong place. So in this whole having done all things, you know, are we doing a Jonah? Are we actually running away from what God wants us to do or where he wants us to be? Um, but there's this lovely bit in Jonah where he's inside the whale and there's this bit which calls Jonah's song. Um, and he obviously has this moment where there's this real kind of shift internally from initially him being disobedient and running away from the Lord. Um, where he comes and says, God, what I vowed, I will make good. He's like, actually, do you know what? I gave you my yes. I want to, I want to be good on that. That's really important. Actually, the, your yes is yes, your no is no. You know the things God's asked of you. And when we give him our yes, we need to, we need to be good. We need to come through with that. Um, but then, you know, it wasn't so much that he just had this sort of epiphany in this whale's stomach. He, actually, he then got spewed up on a beach and he then had to move. Like he then had to go in the right direction. He had to go in obedience to the place, to the people with the words that God had given him. Um, so listen, it's one of those, it's very simple. But listen, if you are not where you should be, then move. Like that's, it's so obvious. It's not always easy. I get that. But honestly, like, let's not persist in running in the wrong direction, you know, walking out of alignment with God's standard or direction for our life. If we're not where we should be, doing what we should be doing, then let's move and let's change. That's wisdom, and that is for our benefit. It's no good in that context saying, God, I just stand in you, on you. I'm just waiting on you, God. I'm just resting in you, when actually it's like, Great, Sarah, but you're completely in the wrong place. You need to be over there, and then you can stand. So that's the second thing I would ask you to consider. Am I where I should be? Thirdly, how is my internal world? So you see that with Jonah. Um, if you read, I think it's in chapter 3, where in this song, where there's the, like, stuff shifts on the inside first. He's, he's still in the whale's stomach. He's still not in the right place, but there's a change for him. He, he, he repents. He recognizes, I've got this wrong confesses it and he turns and he changes his mind, which is what repentance is. Um, and then there was a you know, geographical movement. He, he moved, he changed direction because of that. Listen, confession and repentance should be part of the normal Christian life. Repenting of where I've got stuff wrong, it's just the normal Christian life. Forgiving people who've got stuff wrong, who've hurt us, who've let us down, who've caused us difficulty, we have to forgive them. Taking every thought captive... Yeah, having our minds renewed. It's like, you know, what? I don't think about that anymore. I don't think like that anymore. Actually, my thinking is changed. And also, but also healing. Actually, that stuff on the inside that's like, do you know what? Actually, that still hurts. Actually, that is still painful. Actually, that's still frightening. Actually, letting God come and heal those places within us. Those things, repentance, forgiveness, taking every thought captive, letting God heal us, that has to be in your basic kit bag as a Christian. Like, it has to be. It's not just for some sort of touchy-feely Christians. It's for all of us. It's normal Christian living. It is basic biblical doctrine. So you need to get over it and get on with it. Repent, forgive, take every thought captive, and get yourself healed up. Because if your internal world is not in the right place, it's going to have an out. Because really what I'm talking about is it's the, it's the why that sits underneath and behind the what. Most of us, I think, are super aware of maybe what's going on in our life, maybe what's not going so well, you know, what maybe I'm struggling with in terms of character or patience or, like, we're aware of the what. I can tell you what's going on. But actually, I need to get underneath that as to the why. Why do I respond like that? Why do I find that so difficult? You know, why does this keep, you know, why do I keep going around this same mountain? Um, 
Because my experience is that actually where I've tried to change the what without addressing the why ends up pretty much unproductive and actually becomes demoralizingly unfruitful because you're just like, this is just not changing. Because I'm trying... Now, listen, I'm not saying there's not a place for discipline and, and just making a better choice and biting your tongue. Like, absolutely there is. Like, deal with the what. I'm not saying we just... It's a free range and, oh, well, there's just some stuff going on underneath, so I'm going to be a nightmare for the... Like, that's not okay. But underneath the what, there's usually a why. So let's just partner with the Lord in terms of, well, why is that? How is my internal world? Um, because, again... Just standing when there's stuff you need to repent of, you're not standing on a firm foundation. So we're going to stay stuck. And so we need to move on. The fourth thing, the final thing I would say, is have you asked for help? Actually, have I invited other people in? And listen, that is on me to do. It is my responsibility to invite other people into my journey, into my life. Okay? Maybe we've done some of those things. Maybe we've asked God and we've been praying and we've been trying to sort of search the scriptures for what God's saying and we've kind of, you know, we've had prophetic ministry and we've really considered, you know, is, is stuff lined up in life and, and am I where I should be doing and actually what's going, you know, we've, we've tried to do all those sort of things. We've tried to address the, have you asked God, where am I where I should be? How is my internal world? We've been trying to address those three things on our own. I would humbly submit to you, at some point, you probably need to let somebody else help. You probably need to bring some of those things before somebody else. Um, you know, it, it's one of the most powerful ways that we walk in humility, um, which is a, it's a really godly quality. It's, it should be part of our character, actually, that we're humble. We're humble enough to go to someone um, and be wise. Like, I'm not just anyone, not just the kind of woman at Tesco's. Can I just confess something to you? Don't be weird. But someone who you know loves you, believes in you, and is, is for you, Sometimes it's the most powerful thing to go and say to them, I'm stuck. I need help. I've made a mess. I've confu- I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Just bringing that to somebody is so powerful. And I'm convinced the reason why it is so powerful is because it totally annihilates shame in a moment. As soon as I say, I'm struggling with this, can you help me? Now, the situation might not change in that moment, but any shame that the enemy's put on me in terms of you couldn't ever tell anybody that, and if you told people that, Sarah, what would they think of you? You're a church leader. It's shame. And shame, the enemy's tactic with shame has always been that you and I will take our, our brokenness, our sin, our dysfunction, our muddle, and we'll keep it hidden. Don't let anybody see it. And do you know what? When we do that, like it just has free reign to cause us problems. As soon as I bring that out into the light... Shame is broken in an instance, and then I can get to work on, okay, well, what's going on here? So it's such a powerful way that we defeat shame and we walk in humility. And it says, you know, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. In due season, he'll lift you up. Sometimes bringing our stuff to somebody else is one of the ways we actually do humble ourselves. Um, now, listen, I am a, I'm a massive internal processor, and, like, that's how I'm wired, and that is fine. So I process stuff internally and very slowly. Um, but listen, processing stuff in my own head gets me so far, but in 40 years I have finally learned the lesson that at some point it's got to get out of my head, out of my mouth, and usually in the hearing of somebody else for me actually to really shift some stuff. Like it really matters. So even if you are like me, um, and, and I'm not asking you to change, absolutely process stuff internally, that's fine. But listen, you're not to do it all on your own. At some point, some of that stuff needs to come out. And I want to take a moment to um, 
just this idea of confession and repentance specifically. I'm saying, listen, this should be part of your kit bag. It absolutely should be. Um, let me read a bit from James 5. I know you'll know these verses. So from verses 14 to 16, James says this, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Brilliant. Love that bit. Great verse. Then verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We love that last bit, right? That's a great bumper sticker. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful, it's effective. Yes, love that. You know, pray over people, anoint them with oil, and God's going to raise them up and heal sick people. Yes, love that bit. Not so much the bit in the middle. Not so much verse 16. Confess your sins to each other, not just to God, to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed, so that you may be whole. Listen, it's not just confessing to God. There is a place where actually confessing and repenting with another believer actually is massively powerful. I kind of, when I'm kind of thinking about this, I think it's like, I imagine myself sort of on a cliff. So if I'm on a cliff and, and, and down below is, is the sea, and that's like God's grace, it's his mercy, it's his forgiveness. And, and, you know, my sin, my dysfunction, my brokenness, my muddle, when I get it wrong is like various different sized pebbles, rocks, stones, a few massive boulders. And listen, for lots of things, it's like a little stone and it's like super easy for me to be like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I did not mean to be like that. I did not mean to be aggressive with that woman at the traffic lights. I'm sorry. Chuck that little pebble off the cliff. Listen, once it's left my hand and it's off the edge of the cliff, you know, the gravity of God's grace and mercy takes it, and it's covered, it's done, and it's dealt with. And that is no different whether it's a tiny pebble or a huge boulder. Once it's off the edge, it's covered, it's done, we're separated from our sins, far as the east is from west. But what I've found is that sometimes the issue is, how do I get it off the edge? There are some things I can quickly and easily do by myself. I'm not saying you have to confess to another person every single thing, like that just sounds like we're going to be a nightmare to each other. I'm not saying you have to do that with every little thing. But there are some things that are bigger things, and I need someone to say, listen, can you help me? I need you to kind of, it's not that I'm asking them to be responsible for my stuff, but actually when I come and say, can I pray this through with you? Can I talk this through with you? Can I confess this stuff is going on? It's like they put their shoulder to this boulder with me, and together we can get it off the edge of the cliff. Once it's over, that gravity of grace and mercy takes it. And it's covered. It sinks to the bottom of the sea, never to be seen again. But there's a part of the process of actually being family and being the body of Christ together where sometimes it's very powerful to confess and repent with one another. Not for everything and not to just anybody. So please just bear that in mind. But honestly, someone you know loves you and is for you and will look you in the eyes and speak truth and encouragement, go for it. You know, it's really humbling it's not always very comfortable, but it's so powerful. So I would encourage you, this idea of having done all things and then stand. For that, have I done all things? Four things to consider. Have I asked God? Am I in the right place? How is my internal world? And have I asked for help? And again, I don't think you need to do all of those four things in increasing detail for every little choice that you make or decision you make. Like, I'm not saying that. But if there are situations where we maybe feel a little bit stuck, 
there are situations where we're not quite sure. Maybe we've got decisions to make, we've got options, we've got choices. Actually, there's a really healthy thing to do to say, okay, have I, have I done all things? Is there anything else on my end, God, that I need to be doing in this situation? And if we don't know, if you're not sure, have I done all things, then just ask. Ask him, God, is there anything else? Is there anything I need to do in this situation? Is there, is there anything that I need to deal with? Is there anywhere I need to move? Is there, there any conversation I need to have? Like, ask him. This is what I think David's doing in um, Psalm 139. It says this. This is verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Like essentially, I think what David's doing, essentially that prayer is, have I done all things? Have I done everything? And God, would you show me if I haven't? And because the bottom line is, I want to walk in the way everlasting. And I think God wants me to walk in the way everlasting. Jesus paid a very high price so that you and I could walk in the way everlasting. But actually what David is doing is saying, listen, show me anything that is going to trip me up, that is going to you know, take me on some kind of rabbit trail over to one side, anything that's going to hold me back or weigh me down from walking in that way everlasting, then God, search me, show me, tell me. I want to deal with my stuff, any hurtful way in me, because I want to walk in the way everlasting, and I want you to walk in the way everlasting. And so that's why cheering one another on and championing one another and helping each other in doing all things, not taking responsibility for other people's stuff, I'm not saying that, but cheering one another on as they do all things is such a powerful way that we can help one another to walk in this way everlasting. So that's what David's saying, search me, like highlight my stuff, show me where stuff's going wrong, show me maybe anything that is out of line with maybe your truth, maybe your direction, maybe your purpose, show me if there's something you've promised me, something you've called me to and I've forgotten. Show me if I'm doing a Jonah and actually you want me to go that way and I'm heading in the wrong, like show me. And listen, that prayer is absolutely, categorically, 100% of the time, a safe prayer to pray. Because God is a good father, he has good things for you. So when Jesus is talking, he's, um, you know, which of you are parents, you know, if your child asked you for bread, you'd give them a stone. He's like, you wouldn't do that. How much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? So if we come before God, I come before God and say, God, show me if there's anything in my thinking that isn't quite right. Do you know what? He's not going to hide stuff from me. Like, he's not going to say, no, 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 you're fine. Everything's good, Sarah. And actually thinking, you know, sort of pantomime villain, he, 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 she doesn't know there's this going on. And sooner or later, two years down the line, this is really going to trip her up. Like, that's not a good father. You know, he's going to show us. Likewise, listen, he's not going to show you, throw you a red herring. Say, actually, I think you've got major issues with your reception teacher. You know, he's not going to divert us because the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth and truth sets us free. So if I come and say, God, search me, show me, he's going to bring me truth. And so I can be confident in that. And I can be absolutely confident in his timing as well. You know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And I am so thankful he hasn't given me all of my stuff to deal with all in one go. It's been a process, which is an ongoing process. And it's like, hey, Sarah, actually, let's revisit that thing again that I've had major breakthrough. I feel so much stronger in. 
well, there's maybe another level. There's maybe a little bit deeper to go, and that's okay. Like, we can trust his timing because he's a good father. If he doesn't show you and highlight anything to you, then just chill out, then relax. It's okay. Trust him. Like, it's such, it's such a powerful prayer to pray, and it is quite a, it's a vulnerable prayer to pray, isn't it? It's like, God, show me. But it's absolutely a safe prayer to pray, and I would encourage you, it's an important prayer to pray. And so what we need then is this discernment, and that is part of us maturing. It is part of growing up in terms of being able to come before the Lord and say, have I done all things? And often it is about, is there, there's this going on. There's this I'm concerned about. There's this going on at work. I feel like you know, I've got these choices to make. Actually, God, show me, what, what do I need to do? Do I need to be praying here? You know, do I need to remind myself of your word? Do I actually need to make some changes practically or financially or in relationships? Like, Am I positioned where I should be? God, am I where you want me to be? Am I doing what you want me to do from a place of health and wholeness? And if I'm not, and there's stuff I need to change, then please show me. But then it's the discernment to know when to rest in that, not madly striving when actually God's just calling us to stand, but equally not burying our head in the sand and just trying to stand when actually there's stuff for us to do. And that discernment is so important. And I would encourage you, that actually having other people to talk that through with process is massively helpful um, in terms of have I done all things. And so I want to next week look at um, actually what it is to stand. But it really is, I want to stress, it's important that in this process of God, search me, show me, tell me, and I, I want to commit to doing all things. I want to commit to dealing with my stuff, and doing what you need me to do that we do that from a place of knowing we don't do that to be accepted by God and we have to tidy ourselves up and sort our thinking out and you know, get yourself together and then we can rest in the Lord. That's not it. We can absolutely rest in the Lord knowing we're completely loved, accepted, protected by him right now, right where we are. But from that safe place, listen, guys, there's probably some stuff for us to do. There's probably some work to do and that's okay. That is the normal Christian life. That is what the Bible calls sanctification. She's basically growing up, moving from glory to glory to represent Jesus really well. And that anything that would mean, I'm, hey, I'm not being a great reflection of Jesus right now, I commit to dealing with that. Does that make sense? So we need to get really good at figuring out where I'm at. Um, and listen, it's not always easy. Some of these things are really challenging. Sometimes it requires a massive amount of humility. Um, sometimes it requires real courage. You know, to be that brave, to be that vulnerable, to, you know, actually to have a complete change of direction in terms of like, do you know what? I'm always stunned by people who you're like, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to move my whole family to the other side of the world. You know, just amazing in terms of responding to this is what God's calling me to do, to be in the right place, doing the right thing. It requires huge courage and humility, but it's absolutely worth it because it means I'm walking more fully and more freely in that way everlasting, which is what God wants for you. It's what God wants for me, and it's absolutely what I want for me and what I want for you. So I, I want us to take some time to pray into that. And Jem, if Jem had a word in worship, which um, I feel really ties in with what I've shared in terms of um, some, just God wanting to bring clarity and strategy where maybe there's some confusion. So I want our Gemma to um, just share what she felt like the Lord was showing her, and then, um, and then maybe we'll get her to pray for you. So during worship, um, God showed me this uh, landscape and um, 
it was really cloudy and really kind of hazy, you know, when it's not, not a clear day. You can't see very far ahead. And, um, and there were people in it, in that landscape, and they were just like trying to look around, but it just felt really hazy and unclear. And then um, this wind blew across the landscape. And as it blew, the, the cloud just retreated. And it was like the most clear, crystal, you know, blue sky. You can see for miles, um, like fresh air day. And, um, and it was just, it was like there was real clarity for people. Uh, and people could just see much further than they could before. I could see the way forward. And I felt like it was... Um, that wind is his spirit and that he, there's, there's people in situations um, and circumstances who are looking at things or thinking things through or journeying through things and it just feels really hazy like hearing God's voice or, or knowing the way forward or knowing what's ahead just feels hazy. It feels like you've got like a layer of thick cloud over you but I felt like God wanted to breathe his spirit over you and over that landscape and, and it may make it the most beautiful, blue, clear day for you. And, um, and then in, on that, in that picture, in the sky, I just saw dropping down keys um, onto people. And those keys are his strategy. And God's in that place where God breathes his spirit. He's going to um, drop keys into your life that are specific to situations you're looking at or things you're traveling through that are his strategy for those um, those places. Amazing. Um, do you want to stand? Um, can you stay? And I feel like that's God's promise and invitation to each of us, actually, and that in that kind of him wanting to come with his Holy Spirit is actually in a response to us saying, God, search me, try me, show me, actually, and that sometimes those keys are things for you to do in terms of that, have I done all things? Some, some of those keys are going to be things for you to do. For some of you, the keys actually might be, hey, no, you just stand. Um, but I feel like that's God's invitation, that actually to walk in that way everlasting, to be able to see the way ahead, like actually doesn't want for us to be confused and kind of it to feel difficult. He wants to bring clarity. Um, and so I want, I want us to pray, and I want you to pray for yourself. And, and just there might be a specific situation or a specific decision or something specific that's going on that you're like, God, have I done all things? It might be more general in terms of a, just a general health check. God, where am I at? Am I doing what you want me to do? Is there anything that's not you know, in your fullness yet? Listen, it is a safe and powerful prayer to pray. And I'm absolutely believing that. Picture God gave, Gemma, was a promise to you that he's going to come by his spirit and he's going to show you. So why don't you just, however you want to, comfortably, some of you might want to put your hands out, whatever you want to do in terms of actually you coming before God. And I want to encourage you. And I'm going to pray for you, but I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, search me, try me, show me, tell me. So Holy Spirit, we just want to thank you for what you're doing. And this morning, we want to thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. And Lord, we just thank you for that promise that you're going to make the way ahead clear for us. That Holy Spirit, you want to come and blow away confusion. So even now in this moment, I just take authority over confusion, where the enemy has sought to cloud people's judgment, to confuse them over the decisions, to make them feel stuck and not being able to see the way ahead. We just take authority over confusion and in Jesus' name, and say, you've given each of these people the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So God, would you come by your Holy Spirit? And Lord, we just invite you, say, God, would you search us and know us? Thank you that you do know us, God, and you love us so deeply. But God, search us. Show us if there's any hurtful way in us. 
Father, in your kindness, come and show us. Because, God, we say we want to walk in that way everlasting. We want to walk in the fullness of your purpose and your promise for our lives. And we want to commit, God, to doing all things, to doing the things that are on our end to do. And, God, we want to commit to supporting and championing and cheering one another on as we each take responsibility for our stuff. But, Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to come and speak to each one of your children now.